Last week on the Lord's Grantham Podcast, we watched Season 1, Episode 5 of The Gilded Age. Charity has two functions. In that episode, we saw Bertha Russell cut another check for Clara Barton of the Red Cross, just giving her more money. It's rolling in. Uh, Mr. Rakes, he propositioned uh, Marion for a good time. She turned him down, but she's considering. Uh, and then there was also a crash of a train that belonged to Mr. Russell, and that's going to stir up some trouble this week on the Gilded Age on the Lord's Grantham Podcast. I'm going! And just like that, we're back with the the Gilded Age. Heads have rolled for less. How's how's it going, Corey? It's going okay. How about you, Dave? It's going great. <laughs> heads rolled for less for you, Dave, in this past week. I mean, no heads have rolled for me. Period. This past at all. Week. I guess it's not a time to make that joke with oh, what's yeah, going on in the world, actually. Uh, yes. So uh, no, I hope there's no heads rolling. No heads rolling this. in suburban Connecticut and uh, in your neck of the woods, <laughs> New York. Yeah, uh, yeah, hard times out there, and there is not much news going on with Downton Bridgerton. Well, there was news about the Crown. Uh, Two hundred thousand dollars worth of props from the Crown have been stolen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which. You know, I guess everything on there is like replicas of stuff. So I, I can see how it's worth two hundred thousand dollars, but man. Uh-huh. The Michael uh, Michael Fagan, the the guy who broke into Buckingham Palace, stole it all. <laughs> it was that same dude. It was the same dude. No, it was some gemstones, some silverware, and antiques. I wonder how that goes. Like, do you just go for the gemstones first and then you look at the antiques and you just look at the silverware and you think the silverware's gotta be worth something? And where is this kept? Is this in like a Netflix closet? Is this like the Indiana Jones bunker of, uh, of treasures? I I don't know. They said it was an overnight raid near the set. Uh, oh, I in, guess they uh, are probably Don still shooting Castor, it. England. So, yeah. It makes, well, it makes me wonder too. Like, I guess uh, a lot of the stuff that they got for it, maybe they just purchased that were like authentic stuff. Oh no, it was mostly just replicas. One was a replica of a Faberge egg that belonged to Queen Elizabeth. So. Yeah, I don't think Netflix actually bought the legit things. But either way, $200,000 worth of stuff. If you want to go on a treasure hunt and try and get some money, nab this th- thief out there in England. Someone out hey, there. Go to do a pawn it. shop. See if any sold anything. <laughs> that, that's exactly how you handle $200,000 worth of props. Uh, go to a pawn shop with it. And also the queen has COVID. Or had COVID. That's true. Uh alongside most of the world it feels like at this point but well, i mean this is like, like last still, week right so yeah after the I mean, she's still kicking yeah she i don't know she's more she's got to be more machine now than man at this point 96 years old beating covid i mean i just i just attribute to it to her just probably knowing something that we don't <laughs> the queen so, no <laughs> yeah she's a she's but, something else well i'm glad that she's okay alive still Mm -hmm. and i bet she's laughing that all those props were stolen because i don't think she really cares much for the crown yeah me neither uh that's okay we'll get the crown's okay Uh, either way let's get to the gilded age yeah while we're all here (laughs) yeah 1.6 this show 
lean so heavy on the Red Cross to be a plot device. So and you got mad at me for putting Claire Barton on my power rankings last week. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's just like, what would Julian have done if history didn't exist? Um, <laughs> so we start out with the train crash. We see the wreckage of what's mm-hmm. been left behind. And the Red Cross is there. We see with the big cross there. Uh, luckily, no women and children dead. Uh, just five uh, boys. Yes. Uh, uh, some <laughs> a handful of males that ate it. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the Russells are there ready to hand over more money to the Red Cross. Yeah, this is a little strange of a sequence where mm-hmm. they're just assessing the damage and then George is, hands her a check. He's like, hey, thank you for everything you're doing. Take some money. This guy just walks around with a checkbook wherever he goes, which I guess was the the way uh, of uh, getting around back then. But, man, he's not afraid just to dole out the cash. Um, maybe, maybe it was the thing where he actually saw the wreckage up close, and he was like, oh, wait a sec, I need to cut a bigger check here. This yeah, is I, need, I need a little bit more money. Yeah, which kind of took me by surprise because there is a reporter there, and they then take a picture of the Russells in front of the crash, and I'm just thinking, of all the pictures to take, maybe just – Stand a little bit to the right, <laughs> so the, tra- the the crash isn't right behind you. Like, oh my gosh! Like, yeah, wouldn't you not want to be involved people? with that? It's a bad look, you'd think. I mean, it's I think a it's look. a good look that the owner of the company went to the crash sure. site, but maybe go for a candid. Don't pose. Yeah, I mean, right. I I get what they're trying to do. He he's not going to you know hide behind it and stuff. But at the same time, I don't think people picking up the paper want to see that wreckage necessarily with your face beaming in front of it i don't even know if it was beaming but it was just like with your face didn't look unhappy <laughs> yeah this is this, that's a photo op to like clean up some some planks yeah. not to just stand yeah, and well, pose with your your wife who's dressed to the nines strong choice there yeah a strong choice um well why don't we go a little bit just down this road here with, with the with the russells this is the first time we've seen a rift really between george and uh uh, Bertha, yeah, where she, she's very much wrapped up in her proceedings with uh, moving along the, the ranks of the social society, and he's very much worried about his business and does not have the time of day to hear about her, her problems. Yeah, and we see Ward McAllister's coming over for luncheon, and, and George could care less. He says he could give a rat's ass about it. Hey. <laughs> you know he doesn't know how cool Nathan Lane is he's never seen Mouse Hunt right he's just getting a little crass but Dave do you see this evolving over time what, what do you think of this of this rift I think this is the kind of rift that these power couples probably deal with regularly when they're <laughs> you, you mean like the, the Prince Phil's and the, the Queens of the world and the Kanye's and Kim's of the world well I think a little less the the those two because those two have both people sort of performing societal mm. functions that make profits whereas this is a okay. wife is navigating the social world and husband is navigating the money business world and mm-hmm. this is where we see that Bertha Bertha's uh, she doesn't make the money and this is one of those right. instances where George is like look do I need to remind you why you have all of this well, you have the ability to have ward over, and it's an interesting thing because, like, 
from her perspective, I get it because it is essentially her job, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is establishing their, their, their status. But, you know, George doesn't see it the same way and understandably because that's not what's bringing in the money. Um, but, yeah, the tough times uh, for them. It, it's, it was a moment where I w- was kind of surprised by the turn I was taking, but it wasn't unexpected just given, you know, what the severity of what he's dealing with. It just felt like it, you know, it was a natural, uh, you know, wedge that would come between them. Uh, we do find out that it was an axle that broke uh, yeah. because they they used some older materials because someone, whoever was constructing these uh, trains, took a little bit of money off the top for himself and just bought cheaper parts. That's true. Yeah. And we see, and, um, I guess this, this part of the story is the hammer mm-hmm. of the episode. Where, after all the events of the episode have happened, George gets a letter that says the guy who made these purchases has proof that George gave it the okay. Some guy named Dixon. So, they have, they now, have is this a blackmail situation, or is George so busy he just signed off on something without reading it all the way through? He seems like a good man. I think it's a thing, because he always prided him, he, he, you know, we heard him pride himself on the, the safety of the railway, so I think it's maybe something where he signed off without thinking... Uh, but as you said, Dave, that's the hammer. So we'll see what that means for him. And that wraps the episode. We can just call it there, right? That's <laughs> All going right. Let's for, get uh, to the power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but that—that's what's going on in the, in the train world. Uh, tackle more of this. Um, we hear that Archie has accepted the situation. He, he received the letter, or they—they they received a letter from him saying, you know, I, I won't interact with Gladys anymore. Mm-hmm. She gets a hold of that letter. She's none too pleased. None, Gladys is none not happy. too pleased at all. <laughs> and it's funny to see how George approaches it because he's like, "It was your mom's doing, okay? I'm I'm just the messenger." <laughs> She's like, he literally calls you out in this, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I said those things, but I was just relaying the message that your mother wanted me to give. Okay, I'm not the bad guy. I'm George Russell. I'm a I'm a rich man." And then, and then he, Gla- starts, he pulls Gladys. out the checkbook and he starts to cut her check <laughs> right there. Gladys comes with the line of the episode, potentially, where she says, you can stand up to all these business people, but you can't even stand up to your own wife. And then he pulls out his checkbook again and then starts cutting a second <laughs> check. Like, just be cool. Be cool. <laughs> just, yeah. Money takes care of everything. Um, yeah, man. Uh, it, it's one of those things where Bertha kind of just has to make her point where it's just... Like, you're not going to be with this guy. You, you, you know, there's much more that you can take care of here. What are you doing? Okay. Just Precisely. think about where you're, you're headed. Your opportunity here. But then we and, see Gladys has mm-hmm. a little meeting with her new pal, Miss Astor's daughter. <laughs> That's her name. It's not even Miss Astor. This is Miss Astor's daughter. I didn't uh, write I down her first, first name. All I know is that she has an obsession with dolls. Um... Very strange. She's a, she's a she's a grown girl, but she is uh, very much still playing with her her dolls. Kara Carrie Doesn't Aster, like, Caroline. Carrie Carrie Aster. Doesn't seem like her mom cares for her dolls and her collection there, but they are just sitting everywhere. Yeah, seems like a very seems like a theme party for the late eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because well, so just to back up a smidge. This is the party that Gladys wasn't even actually invited to. It was something that Larry was going to attend. And then uh, he he was given the 
wink wink to him bring his sister with him right because he he you know told his parents like these are gonna be like good folk there we're not gonna be mixing yeah with, you say you, know, you say some... the name aster that means something and and bertha should know this right and we see uh, who is it miss fish is the one who organized it and it's funny because we only saw her i think briefly in the first episode where uh they had that outing at that in house rhode island. uh rhode in island Newport, yeah uh so she's just an organizer of parties and if you watch tv at all she's that that villainous woman from the last season of mr robot so it's so strange to see her in like a charming role that's, trying that's to be where like i a knew her from because she, she is evil in that show and here she is just beaming like oh i throw parties i'm miss fish okay you know i got a cool name evil is she is she based on a real <laughs> yeah. person because mammy fish that we got t thomas fortune her name's mammy mammy Mammy. She's real. She's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> what is not real on this show? This is incredible. Julian really did his homework. I mean, they talked about it being in development for 10 years, but he really went all in and pulling out uh, real folk for this. Um, yeah, so there's this party. And, and, and so the Aster daughter there, Carrie Aster, is crying. Uh, and Gladys talks her up. It's something about the dolls, you know. Uh, they they both feel like their their mothers they, they relate they bond over this that their mothers are, have them under house arrest, uh, so you know they're becoming fast friends like you know maybe they can actually just hang out without their parents watching over them all the time. Yeah, and they have a little meeting later on at the Russell house where mm-hmm. we see that I forget exactly what they're talking about. Let me find it in my my so notes. It's not about dolls more than they already talked about dolls, right? No, they're pl- they're planning a party, right? The a quadrille party. Uh, yeah, and they're to... talking about dancing. Mm-hmm. And in situations where usually Bertha would be a little stern with Gladys, she mm-hmm. is a little soft because of Carrie Astor's presence. Right, and, and Carrie Astor, she kind of frames it as an opportunity to help Gladys learn how to dance. You know, mm-hmm. kind of kind of help introduce her into this world, to help make her debut. Uh, you know, to these these rich uh, debutantes. So, you know, as nice as Archie seen the last episode, that guy is in the rear mirror, rearview mirror. <laughs> Whether or not she wants him Glass- to be. Yeah, she is going upwards. Unless Oscar has something to do with it. Dave, what, what did you think of this? So we see a follow-up from last episode where the, the helper uh, on the Russell side, Miss Turner, is uh, talking with Oscar Van Ryan. They're going for a walk. What did you make of Oscar's getup? His hat and his uh, glasses. His Wild Wild West outfit, <laughs> right? D- didn't he look like he stepped like, out of the Wild Wild West? He or looked like Kevin Klein. He, he kind of looked like Gary Oldman and Dracula when he goes out in the town. Um, what a choice of a look there! His, his hair is just swished to one side, very emo. He's got the the red glasses <laughs> with the top hat. Uh, it just looks like a whole production that he put together for himself, going for a walk with uh, with Turner. Mm-hmm. And just from my own knowledge of, of Central Park and stuff, so they're coming from East 62nd. That bridge, that is near the uh, the small lake that they have there where you can row boats. That's around like 72nd. So they're going for a long walk. That's like 1.2 miles, if you will, to, to get over there from where they were. So they're going for like a good hour-long chat. And so they can't just be talking about Gladys the whole time. What do you think they're talking about during that, Dave? I have no idea. What could they talk about? <laughs> You know, I tried to proposition George one time. Oh, you did. Well, Oscar has that line where he says to to Turner, he's like, look, I know 
you have motives for doing this and I'm not going to ask you mm-hmm. what they are because I don't want to know that kind of dirt. Yeah. So let's just keep this business and then we'll be on with our lives. <laughs> but what is the, if you're like, writing, well, writing about, he says, I'm dressed like, I'm dressed like a cowboy, <laughs> like a Django Unchained yeah, character. Long walk in the middle of the day. You got to be sweating in that kind of, in those kind of clothes. Um, but I like the idea that they just go for this long walk and maybe of that entire hour long walk, we only see the two minutes of dialogue that they have and then they just enjoy each other's company the rest of the entire time. I mean, maybe they uh, like meet at a certain point and intercept and then walk oh, back yeah. together. Either way, it's more Although, than yeah, two they minutes. Walk, we, we do see Turner like um, giving like a brush on his shoulder. Like, you know, she like pats him on the, on the, on the shoulder uh, as she sends him off uh, because someone witnesses it. So maybe they're becoming friends actually. Maybe, maybe Turner's, Turner's the one for trying Oscar. to get with Oscar. <laughs> That's a Julian trope. A lot of women playing towards men that aren't fishing for it. I mean, she already tried for George, and he said no. And right, I mean, it wouldn't be below the character to go for another rich man. Yeah, little does she know about Oscar. He's he's neither rich neither into he's people not, like he, her. He's he's rich, but he's not he's Is not he Russell rich? rich. I mean, the Van Ryan's he's not have rich money. And rich, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he right. can. Uh, he's looking for an ARS. He's looking for a Gladys. Yeah. Uh, so that took care of a lot of things there. I think we can knock off what's going on with Peggy this episode, right? Yeah. First, we see uh, Ms. Bauer is sort of continuing to question her place. Just sort of Mormons on Armstrong is asking, Armstrong? you know, should she be this? Yeah, it's Armstrong. Yeah, Armstrong, not Bauer. I'm sorry, I get these. Da- yeah, I don't know she, these downstairs people well enough yet. Well, you, you got to learn them. You got you make flashcards, man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Miss Armstrong is asking, do do they really need that scribbler up there? She, she's very perturbed by the presence of uh, of uh, Miss uh, Peggy Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was trying. I was trying not to fall into the trap of saying Betty again, which I I, I know it's Peggy by this point. Uh, so she it, it seems kind of out of nowhere too, because I feel like we only got a moment with Miss Armstrong last episode to learn anything about her. Now suddenly she's just like, I don't really like this Peggy character. I don't like her scribbling around here. Why, why does she get to do the, do this work here? Uh, um, maybe she had an offhand comment about that earlier. But is this news to you, Dave? Well, I feel like the characters have talked about their discomfort mm-hmm. with Peggy being in their world before mm-hmm. but it's it's been a little while since it came up and i don't know i don't I, I feel like it's kind it's a weird point to have because we see agnes play this sort of woke 1880s rich white woman thing a lot and i don't want yeah. any reason to have that storyline because i feel like that so- story is so disingenuous that i would rather them just not tell it yeah and she says something about, like, she's trying to set me up with a sad sack too old to do the work that she wants to do. Uh, yeah. Well, it seems like Miss Armstrong's had enough, and it's time for a change. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Miss Scott ha- is going to go pay a visit to uh, Mr. Fortune. TTF. Thomas T. Fortune. <laughs> TTF. Uh, dude is still lifting weights. Dude is still jacked. Way more Jack than the real, the real TTF. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he's got some news for her, though, Dave. 
They say he says that Peggy is the reason that they have a mm-hmm. a an increased boom in readership. Yeah, business is booming. This and, is big, uh, right? It's it's because people you know of color don't have access to, to figures like Clara Barton to get that kind of firsthand message out there. Mm-hmm. So it is you know making a difference to have that kind of access. Um, it, it it is a thing though because like he says you know business is booming they're driving more more sales because of the kind of stuff she's writing. You almost want to toe the line of not trying to undermine the actual people who may have made a successful newspaper back then because mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seems a little funny how it's like well you know why thomas t for t fortune has a successful paper because of people like peggy this girl named peggy it's like well she doesn't she didn't exist well i'm, I'm sure she, she's loyal. the surrogate the fictional surrogate for people like her that did cross sure. those boundaries so yeah Ma- they, maybe they, have if, if you're gonna play fast and loose with um real people maybe put somebody who's a Peggy adjacent person maybe as a mentor figure rather than just the publisher so we know she's yeah it isn't pure fiction so mm-hmm. someone with a, a more realistic name than Mammy Fisher T Thomas Fortune those are it's incredible those were real names um she does pay a visit to her mother to let her know about the newspaper that everything's going well mm-hmm and, and mom is mom, excited she's yeah, she's like, tell your dad. And Peggy's like, no, <laughs> I'm so not. Did dad read the article? And, and and mom's like, yeah, but he's not going to tell you he liked it or he, he did mm-hmm. read it. Yeah. And it's pretty much just rehashing the same beats here that we've heard all season. She just doesn't want anything to do with dad. dad mm-hmm. and that's that's that. Um, the one thing we overlooked here, though, with uh, Peggy is that, uh, well, I can I, I guess we can take some steps back. Uh, to what's going on with Mary in this episode. Um, but they're having a conversation early on about rakes mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and uh, Peggy's like, he's a fine lawyer, you know? He doesn't seem to have... Uh, the only thing is he doesn't seem to have much of a plan. Uh, and then we get a brief moment of, of Marion trying to flag a, a taxi or a carriage. And they deny her and Peggy because he doesn't want to carry a, a colored person in there. Which is an educational moment where she's like, just let me hail the taxi. And it's a it's it's particularly bad acting for Marion in this mm. moment, but Peggy is very good. Right, she she doesn't display much in the way of outrage or anything. Just like a, a, a non, I don't know, non, just not a very unemotive. Yeah, she <laughs> reaction. feels like, like oh. a, considering she's one of the main protagonists of the show, she feels like a video game NPC. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah. why can't Marian I? Get, not get why can't we get the cab? Because I'm right. black. But why? Yeah, I I do appreciate though Julian including this kind of stuff though, like not just letting it fall into the background. And they're letting they're letting Peggy be the the captain of this narrative. They're not letting other people be yeah. sort of white saviors towards this situation. Yep. She she knows what's up. Yeah. Um, but a lot of this episode is Marion. Well, so still, what should she do about this, Mister Rakes? She she wants to spend more time with him. How can she do it? And you know, she wants to invite him to one of the parties uh, that or luncheons that Russells are having. And Agnes and Ada still aren't too too keen on it. And, and that actually brings some true insight from uh, Agnes 
uh, where, where she advises that, you know, once he makes his way in this world, he will leave you. He He's only using you as a stepping stone, essentially. Mm-hmm. Did you buy, take stock in that, Dave, or did you were you dubious of Agnes advising that? It, it, this is tough because Agnes Agnes kind of shows her true colors this week, but mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, Agnes. She says I've seen it before, and this is a good scene where she mm-hmm. says I you know he's an adventurer. She keeps referring to him as Indiana Jones. She says he, he's <laughs> Not an Indiana adventurer. Jones, but yeah, yeah, he's he, an this is what he yeah. does. This is his the type of person we're dealing with, and mm-hmm. he'll do you know what you just said. He'll he'll basically ring you dry and then leave. I've seen men like this before. He's one of them. And Marion says, like, no, he's not. What if he's the exception? And then she, like, walks off. And Agnes is like, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. So I kind of, I'm on Agnes's side because I think she's being, she's not like Bertha Russell where she's like, I don't want you around this guy because I want more for you. She's mm-hmm. like, no, this specific type of person is behaving the way specific type of people have behaved historically. Yeah. And and it's one of those things too, where I feel like Julian is kind of tipping his hand a little bit much with, uh, Marion bumping into Larry Russell Mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah, exactly. Where we find that he is applying to become an architect, uh, because that's where his real interest lies, even though he's more of a banker currently. Um, and he says to Marion, please don't tell my family, you know, keep this between us. Uh, but they have a bit of a, a spark between the two of them. They're they're happy to see each other. Very pleased as punch. Yeah, Julian loves a love triangle. Yeah, so I could easily see Rakes maybe actually, you know, being too good to be true at some point, and then Larry being the, the guy to, you know, having Mary and Larry be the guys to the, the two to unite the house. Mm-hmm. And doesn't Peggy have some comment to Marion early in the episode about? You know, if she hadn't interrupted Rake, something could, something would have happened. <laughs> they would have gone a little further. Something like that. Well, well, so that is very much still on Marion's mind because she goes to visit Miss Chamberlain this episode, uh, and they're hanging out. <laughs> I don't, I don't and know why she's doing this. This it's baffling that she would show up at Miss Chamberlain's house. I think she feels bad for her because I mean we see glimpses of this throughout the season with you know Marion's uh, error with bringing the the shoes to the Scott's house and stuff I you know she she you know is sympathetic to people and she understands that Chamberlain being on the outside looking in she wants to give her some company uh so she's there and, and Chamberlain and she's explaining her situation rakes and Chamberlain says you can have the house to to explore yeah, bring with this over. man G- go to town I I'll, I'll, I'll just get out of the room and you do your thing um, McAllister, and, and, and she she also basically just says the rumors are true. Like the reason says this? that I am, you know, blackballed from society, all real and all legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> what you heard is very much true. Uh, but she's bring this uh, man over, invite him over. Marion, Marion's the only person who's shown her kindness. That's why she's doing it for her. Sure. I, I think that this yeah. is obviously some massive setup for something terrible to go down. We've been down this well, road with Julian before. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just some big reveal. Of just you know, when Rakes comes over, this is what he wanted all along was just to to get with Marion. Um, and if it's anything like other Julian Fellow shows, maybe he dies immediately afterwards. We'll see. Hey, that would be great. 
That'd be hilarious. Just a, scene for um, scene. Yeah. Uh, what what else? Uh, so, I think there's one big thing left with you know the the dinner, but there there is a scene early on with an, a, a Red Cross meeting yeah. where we see Miss Murray again. Miss um, Morris. Morris, apologies. Murray is Robert's lawyer. <laughs> From Downton Abbey, totally different show. Uh, but the Bertha is going to attend, and there's going to be a vote for whether she should join or not. Yeah, be on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. This was another, and, and Miss Morris keeps calling her a murderer. <laughs> she said, "We don't want the yeah. murderer's wife or the murderer outright to be on the board of directors." That's not how this works. And as she's saying this, Bertha walks in, and Bertha's like, "Great time for me to walk in, huh?" Yeah, yeah. A lot of talk about murder here. Like, you know, they they murdered her husband, and then these train folk, and then like I think even George says at one point, like, "The blood of the hands of these people is on my my uh, employees' uh, hands or whatever." Um, yeah, a lot of guilt going around here uh, for things that indirectly that they caused but didn't really. But uh, I don't, I don't, there's no guilt on Bertha's side. She doesn't care. Yeah, it's true. She's just, she's just trying to rise up. I mean, Miss Morris but, is... is, is, she's, is she's, she's a drip. Yeah, Aurora Fan is there, and her husband was in the same financial state, but didn't mm-hmm. act foolish and didn't, you know, didn't kill himself. He, you know, as they say, never commit suicide. So we keep yeah. going back to it. Mm-hmm. Morris just does not know how to bow out gracefully, and this is another scene where she just acts a fool. Yeah, but then again, so so right. Clara Barton basically says to the whole board, "Who wants Bertha on the board of directors?" And like, Marion holds her hand up, and one other person or something like that, and she says, "Do I need yeah. to remind you how much money Bertha has given to our cause that has made us expand?" And everyone's like, "Well." All right, fine. Like that. <laughs> yeah, they all raise their hands then, and she is sworn in. And then Morris huffs and says, money is the deciding factor. What a sad and vulgar uh, time we live in. It's, it's a like, non-profit. What do you think? But is it, is yeah, it, and look in the mirror, Morris. It's always been about the money. Is, is, if you think it was about anything else, you're kidding yourself. Is, is Ann Morris a, a medical expertise? You know, have any medical expertise? Is she a, an expert? No, she's another debutante. She's not even a debutante because she's yeah. broke. She had to get rid of everything in her life. It's funny because she's like, I'm being jettisoned. And it's like, you're jettisoning yourself. You're, you're literally could be a part of this thing. And, and because you put so much you know emphasis on money and, and you harbor such, you know, uh, you know, just negative energy towards Bertha, you're just seeing your way out. You're doing this to yourself. You're playing yourself. I really There's hope we're, some, like, I, I hope we're final done with beat her. from her. I, I, I can't I, keep dealing with this over and over again. There's got to be something where she just like pulls the trigger uh, somehow f- from her frustration. Uh, I don't know. And then Clara Barton s- saves like uh, Bertha or something like that. Or Bertha hires uh, Ann Morris to be her like maid or something like that. That would be yeah. That'd be a real wrestling match right there. Loser is the the winner's butler or maid. Yep. So I think we've cleared the deck of. Everything else that really goes on in this episode. Am I wrong, Dave? Um, I think so. Yeah, event, I think though, so. A luncheon is about to go down. Yeah, Warden McAllister, the real, real world Nathan Lane, is going to be at the 
Russell House for luncheon mm-hmm. and a real yeah. make or break mo- move moment for Bertha and the Russell family. Yeah. The, the, the man wants to get to know them better and then, you know, give the okay. Uh, and we hear some commentary from Agnes on this where, you know, <laughs> this is her way of getting to uh, Aster. Aster, I guess would be the, mm-hmm. yeah, ensnaring the, the, the bee here. Um, the drone, she, she says, not happy. He's, he's, she's attracted the drone, so now the queen's going to follow. Yeah, Agnes is none too pleased. And we also hear earlier in this episode, too, about um, people complaining about not having box seats at the opera. <laughs> and for Agnes, this is like the one thing that she has to cling to that separates the old from the new <laughs> is that they they have these like, you know, reserva- reservations for these seats at these shows. Uh, that others can't get. Yeah, but Agnes is already on the record as disliking. Was it no the ballet that she didn't like? What was the event that they went to? I think it was the opera. I think it was. It was one of it was I, one of those things where she said that she doesn't even like going. Mm-hmm. It's just a society thing, right? Exactly. But yes, anyways, a, though a, a luncheon is going down, and but he wants it a particular way. This Miss Callister guy, he likes his uh, lunches British style. Yeah, so they give him the tip off. That this needs to be a British luncheon for to really win over McAllister, and mm-hmm. Mr. Church has no clue what this means. Right, as we've seen from an earlier episode this season, he doesn't know how to set the the cutlery uh, for for eating. Who knew that scene would actually have repercussions later in the, in the season? I thought it was just a a funny moment, but it actually has consequences. Yeah, so who is it exactly that that goes... It was Mr. Bannister who came in over before and pointed yeah, that yeah, out to Yeah, yeah, I know that, but who was... Miss... What woman So, Miss Bruce is Ms. aware. Bruce. Uh, uh, yeah. So, she's the so one she that goes suggests... to Bertha. Yeah, to Bertha. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go, or why don't we get Mr. Bannister to come over and assist? And Bertha basically says, suggest it to church, but make sure it happens. Yeah. And sure enough, Bannister shows up. And mm-hmm. my goodness, there's a lot of work that has to be done. And we see that Church and uh, Monsieur Baudin are not thrilled about this. <laughs> no. Because like, he? he's going to make fish and chips. But then they got to make some stuff also. Uh, you know, they gotta, He wants to make some French items. Uh, but they have to make it British. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's some back and forth on this. Church calls it intolerable, and then Madame, I mean Monsieur Bardem, calls it beyond intolerable. It's very Julian series of events. Yeah. So, but basically, what what, what's going on is Church has laid out a place setting. This is what it's going mm-hmm. to look like, and Bannister says, "Now, nothing here is right. You can't have a fork without an accompanying knife." You don't put the mm-hmm. spoon out unless it's necessary. All of this technical English luncheon discussion. And Bertha catches wind and says, why don't you just come over and run the show? Yeah. And our boy Bannister's like, eh, no, it's, no, that's a no for me, dog. And she says, what about for $100? He changes his tune real quick when she says a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. uh, because that is worth a lot back then. That's like 
almost a thousand dollars. I imagine. If Dave, are you checking for inflation right now? I am. A hundred dollars in eighteen eighty-two. Uh, so the let's say does this inflation calculator go back? So this inflation cal this inflation calculator that I'm on starts in nineteen thirteen. A hundred dollars in nineteen thirteen. Nineteen thirteen. So this is thirty years after that. Mm-hmm. Three thousand dollars. And that was 1913. Well, in 1882, actually, I just looked it up. It was worth uh, $2,700 a day. Okay, so I guess things uh, went 200... down. The, val- the dollar went down. Yeah, there was a couple, uh, two or three, um, uh, you know, backslides in the stock market and stuff in between then and there now. Uh, but yeah, $2,756.35. 2700, uh, so that's money. That is that's a, that's real good nice. money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we see Mr. Bannister walk out of that house with the most skip in the step you'll ever see on TV. <laughs> this guy is chuffed. He, he jumps. Uh, it's a little, the right word. arguably a leap. He is skipping to his own loo. He is skipping to the loo. Um, <laughs> but he's got to keep it within himself. Can't, can't reveal it. He's got to set things in motion. So he goes to Jack. Uh, Jack Treacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe that's his name. It's just, right? Maybe I'm he's not wrong too. at that. <laughs> No, that's his name. Is he? No, Jack. Jack Treacher. 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 Oh, my God. Chalamet's uh, cousin. Yeah. He's going to be running the luncheon while he's gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not prepared for it at all. I mean, this guy looks like a, a boy. Yeah, <laughs> but see, he can't, even, he can't even go on a good date. How can he run a run the house? Yeah. And we see a moment where his hands shake uncontrollably when he's he says, nervous. He says, like, look, look. <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking. I'm really shaking. Uh, and so <laughs> there's actually one of the funniest bits of the episode where Bannister tells Agnes that he needs to go uh, see his lawyer uh, during lunch. And she asks, is he is he Muslim? <laughs> she says, Why? Uh, and he yeah. says it's a, well because he says that he's he'll have a family matter to attend to. So Bannister says something, or um, Agnes says like family, like you have family around here. He says no, but it's something that I need to get handled. He says why during mm-hmm. lunch, and he says because the lawyer fast is going to be fasting. And then they say yeah. why? Because he's Muslim. And he says yeah, and no, he's just fasting. But then it's this. And sort then of, Ada walks in the room. Uh, is like. They briefly explain to her, and she's like, "Oh, is it Ramadan? Is, is that is that what's going on?" <laughs> and then they keep this 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 thing keeps ballooning further and further. This religious lawyer, right? Because right. Ada uh, says to Marion something about like, "Oh, Bannister can't be at the luncheon because of some religious lawyer or something like that." I don't know. And they even re- reference it again later. Yeah, they call it like a truly fanatical, <laughs> fanatical lawyer or something. This is this is where Julian, you know, that's just his favorite bit of the whole episode. Oh, There's yeah. like four it's lines. Just, the way just Do you think they'll understand away. what I've written this joke about? It's the thing yes, about the lawyer. Ramadan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, lo- love that bit. So so everything is in place. Uh, Bannister's getting things in order. He's telling him, you know, don't put the teaspoon down there unless there's actually tea. Serve the salad with the, the, the lunch itself. Gloves on for uh, food. Gloves off for wine. Yep. Everyone's dressed in their British garb uh, to welcome Mr. McAllister. Yep, across the street. Yeah. And lo and behold, everything seems to be going pretty smoothly once yeah, he gets there. Almost Peggy, a little bit too Peggy smoothly. sees Bannister and 
says, your secret's safe with me. It seems like Peggy is the town confidant. Mm-hmm. But yes, Bannister, or Ward shows up, and he yeah. seems pretty thrilled that they're having a British lunch, as if people don't roll out the red carpet everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a, a, a note gets makes its way to Agnes, though. Yeah, well, we see Monsieur Baldin and, and Mr. Church saying, well, what can we do to... to disrupt this because they're jealous of uh banister and the attention. do you think they sent the note absolutely because we don't know who sent the, we don't know who sent the note this episode we see the two of them like cartoon characters <laughs> of course they sent the. you note. think it was the two of them absolutely I, i'm i think it's miss armstrong she was there when uh mr uh banister uh got the letter and read out loud that he they they request him over at the russells so i'm assuming she's put two and two together i don't think i think that mr church is made to look like a fool and we see that the Bur- yep. the Russells will do whatever to get the best. So I think Mr. Church mm-hmm. thinks that his job is on the line if he okay. gets caught. And, you know, if Bannister knocks it out of the park with his lunch, so the only way that he can sabotage it is to sabotage his reputation. See, I interpreted it as Armstrong because she feels threatened by Peggy this episode. So mm-hmm. I, I assume that she played a hand in this and then... Uh, what was the other thing that was revealed this episode? Oh, the, the thing we'll get to in a moment. Um, but, okay, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we see. Will. I mean, maybe we won't see, but I have a feeling we will because this is a good, juicy mm-hmm. apple. Yeah. So Agnes is upset. Yeah. She, you know, I feel like this whole episode she hasn't done much moving. Mm-hmm. We've seen that, uh, we've seen Christine Baranski has been cashing checks sitting down a lot. So they made yeah. her. They made her walk about two hundred fifty feet this week. <laughs> but they do make uh, put emphasis on her, like walking in her dress over the dirt, mm-hmm. you know, with it just trailing behind her, because she is upset. But I love the moment when she actually walks into the Russells' uh, house and is just kind of in awe of what they have set up there. <laughs> like that's real money. That 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 is playing with power. Over yeah, there. there's that brief moment of of the inhale of just. <gasps> Like, I'm here to do something, but oh my goodness, I can't look away from this. Yep. So, she barges in the room, but then realizes she's making a fool of herself. Because a lunch is going on with Mr. McAllister, George is even there, Marion's there. We didn't even mention that. Marion Marion notices Bannister, and he's like, just don't say anything. I I I literally said that like two minutes ago. Well, you know, I, I just had my mind on other things. Yeah, yeah. You you're, said that you're too, too busy ago. thinking about on Agnes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so she, it's funny. They kind of help Agnes along in that moment because they clearly see she's disoriented. They're they were like, "Oh, you you were invited, but you came at the wrong time, right?" Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Marion tries to save her. Mm-hmm. Now this this it, brings up an interesting. What if Bertha just knew this whole thing was going to happen, that it would all get back yeah. to Agnes, and this would just be a way to make the old money look foolish and the new money look sophisticated? Yeah, and I think on, on some level, I think Bertha's okay with it because it makes it look like she appreciates you know their workers and stuff like that. You know, like mm-hmm. she she respects what they've done, uh, even if what she's doing isn't isn't right necessarily. Um. So. I don't think Agnes gets that embarrassed here. She, she definitely she, feels I, embarrassed. She definitely does not show it because she's very stoic. But 
Yeah. I think she is. She, this is a moment that could have been 10 minutes of just awkwardness. And they, it is. Yeah. This is Julian doing his thing Mm -hmm. full on. And they they carry on with the luncheon and we hear, it sounds like it was ad-libbed or there was an audio uh, fill-in later uh, where you just hear Nathan Lane saying, I must come back if luncheons are always this exciting. And it's like the most covered in molasses southern jaw you could hear just like, oh, must come back. Here. We did skip over the fact that when they sit down at their play settings, there's gifts for all of them. Oh, yeah. They all got gold, uh, like a golden fan, a golden like wallet. Yeah, like a cigarette just holder gold or everywhere. something. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... She... she... Oof. One over McAllister, absolutely. And, and she said, "She says, I hope it's not too much." And Ward McAllister's like, "I don't think. I think it's plenty fine." I do believe. I do declare. <laughs> this is very he fine. Had, like, oh, thank you. He has a southern gentleman high pitched laugh. He just looks like he watched a lot of like Looney Tunes. Um, the 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 chicken that rooster that was on the character from Looney Tunes. Yeah, he's, he's watching a lot of Foghorn Leghorn to get prepared for this role. Because <laughs> it's just, hello there, I'm McAllister. Okay, Nathan Lane. Uh, I feel like we you totally skipped over his, the... his sweat all the time. <laughs> right? Where, where's his handkerchief? Where's his sweat rag? I would love to see his character, like, total debutante and everything, but he just has a sweat rag out of his back pocket <laughs> that he carries around. This is um, constantly patting his forehead. It's important. In summertime in the city, believe me, I... I could definitely use one. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, we totally skipped, skipped over Jack Treacher uh, serving lunch. He, did he do okay, Dave? He did, did he pass he, test? He, he, he probably just barely passed, if at all. But mm-hmm. Ada and Agnes are basically saying, we're going to say that you did just because we don't want Bannister to think that he's essential here. He spills yeah. a little wine. He fumbles a little bit. Right, because he's shaking. He's shaking a lot. Yeah. There is a bit of a moment where he takes off the gloves after serving the food to serve the wine, puts on the gloves. <laughs> he's clearly out of his depth. There is a good uh, Ada moment he... when Agnes disappears mm-hmm. and, and goes to confront Bannister. And Ada's yeah, she's like, like, serve me my food. She's like, can, you, can I have my wine now? <laughs> and and uh, she yeah, says, yeah. Don't, don't worry about the gloves. Just I'm not going to snitch on you. Yeah. Uh, but we get the punch of uh, 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 the punchline of the head of the ep- or the name of the episode where, when Agnes discovers Bannister and, and is leaving, she says, "Heads have rolled for less." And Man, you, we'll see how you picked your side, boy. Yeah, we'll see how that works out for Bannister. Um, but Agnes carries that home with her. She is crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. She looks really sad to herself there at night. And Miss Armstrong has some news for her, though. Yeah, this is where Armstrong snitches about Oscar. This is why yeah, I don't think Armstrong the, did the other thing too. I don't I think, think she, she did the double whammy, man. I don't think, I think she, she did, did the double whammy. Okay, I I I just don't know how Madame Monsieur, uh, Monsieur Bardem. I apologize there, Monsieur Bardem and, and Church, Church had the wherewithal to actually write that letter to get it across the street. Like I we didn't, I don't know how they would have gotten it necessarily to her. Walk across the street, give it to a servant, and say this is important. Sure, I guess so. I guess so. But we'll we'll see in due time. But I think that's most of the episode. We, yeah, we, we already discussed it. a bit about the train. That's it. Yeah, that's it, and that's all. Was this a good episode, Dave? This is a fantastic episode. This is probably my favorite episode yet. Yeah, I think everything was firing on full all cylinders this episode. It was really moving along. 
But I think this kind of shows how how Julian has these sort of Statler and Waldorf style quirk, quippy mm-hmm. characters who just sit in the background and snipe. But when they have to get up and do something, yeah. he shows that they're not flawless. And it happens with the Dowager right. and it happened here. So I think that these are the kind of episodes that they're are important to these people. And I feel like we need Aunt Ada to have a moment at some point soon because she's just sort of the the good cop to on Agnes's bad cop. And we just need, yeah, we need an Ada moment. We need an Ada episode. So you don't bring in Cynthia Nixon to be, you know, dress scenery. Let's do something. Mm-hmm. When do you think we're going to get more callbacks? Like we did with the cutlery here. Like, like the little moments that we didn't put much stock in. Do you see them coming back around? Uh, I mean, Miss Armstrong's parent or mom being in the tenement building, we could see playing a, a factor. We still haven't figured out what's going on with Watson. He's not even doesn't even appear this episode. Uh, do do we see Miss Bowers' uh, gambling addiction come back? We see her paying uh, some of her debt to Ada this week. Yeah, we, we do we do see that this week, and it's very hush hush about it. And Ada's very you know forgiving, like you know take your time. Uh. uh Maybe the dog will, Wait, come that will back play. That will play a factor. Miss <laughs> Bowers' gambling problem. Maybe uh, we'll see. But let, let's get to the power rankings, Dave. Who do you have going down? In third place is Bannister. Okay, because his, he he gets caught by Agnes. Mm-hmm. But we can't go and say that this man didn't make three thousand dollars in a, in a couple hours of work. Yeah, his reputation is that, severely that's... damaged, but. Look, if this is, you know, he's Lex Luger. He's showing up on Raw and Nitro on the same night. This is important for him. <laughs> sure. Cat, get get the check, Bannister. But you yeah. still, you played yourself. And on Agnes knows. She won't talk to him. Yeah. Who do you have at number three? Well, number, number three, I got George Russell. He, I got the, him the at number two. Got, he's got blood on his hands, and he may be going to jail for this. No, uh, he's not. Because... <laughs> Who knows? His name is on the papers there for the the cheap construction. Uh, yeah, they're going off the rails in that crazy train there, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I got him. So, I got him number two for all the same reasons, and the fact that his his teenage daughter puts him in his place. That cannot yeah. be understated. How how much of a smackdown that is. You are right, Dave. He probably won't go to jail. As soon as they try to convict him, he'll just pull up the checkbook out and be like, "Wait, how much do you need? How much to buy the jail?" Ask? Yeah. Well, number two for me, I had Mr. Church. This guy gets put in his place by the man across the street, and he just looks like a, a baffled fool for See, most the, of this the, episode. The fact that I think that he wrote the letter kept him off my downward rankings because I think that's sure. a play. I don't even know if he knows how to write. I'm not convinced by that. So He definitely knows how to write. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll, we will see. But, well, Dave, who is not going down number one for you, man? This is Aunt Agnes. What a, what a whiff. Yeah. She makes an ass of herself this week. Uh, a no, rat's ass, if you no, will. No doubt denying that. <laughs> yeah. She just barges in there. It was, it was funny because I was like prepared for a big Agnes, like, you know, going all in moment. But she assesses the situation, stays within herself, and we don't get it. But rough times for her. Oh, and Bertha, not... knows, Bertha knows what's up. This is not like mm-hmm. the room does not know. And George, George plays this yep. so well. Yeah. One of the few uh, really good George moments in this episode. He's like, "Please come back." Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like it's a. They do well enough with the save there. McAllister doesn't totally catch on to everything that's going on there sideways. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he knows exactly how how unsettling these circumstances are. But oh, yo yo. 
Yeah. This is, you well, know, considering this is her sort of coming out party as a more, well, fully rounded character. She's really yeah. takes, eats the L here pretty seriously. Yep. And who well, do Dave, you have who going, you got going up? up? Yeah, who do I? Okay, I'll start. You going up. I got Peggy at number you three. You did this to me last week because you did this to me last week. You, you Usually we pass it off back and forth, but last week you said, who's going down, Corey? Who's going up? Okay. Now I got to put it back on you, man. Peggy's going Peggy's number three. Peggy's number three for me as well. Increased readership. That's all you got to say. <laughs> Huge. That's, 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 you know, they, they are moving those newspapers twofold. You, you got to think with how many newspapers they must be printing because of the demand. Fortune's just getting more jacked because he's just printing more of these things. He's, he's just, just like flexing to, to cranking that wheel. <laughs> yeah. I got to crank more of these things out. He's just real jacked. Uh, who's number two for you? I got Bertha. Because she okay big win for her with 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 Ward McAllister, and yeah. she kind of get the episode the, the episode the scene where her and George kind of fight. You can see that's not in that that is a a brief blip for an otherwise great mm-hmm. episode. She's elected onto the board, throws this great yeah. luncheon, kind of accidentally puts her neighborhood rival down. And just sort of leaves the episode mm-hmm. in the good good standings of this guy who she's been trying to be in the good standings with. Yeah, that's true. Well, I got Mr. Bannister at number two because money doesn't lie, man. He got paid a hundred dollars or twenty seven hundred dollars today, and that's not coming out of his paycheck. We'll see how you know Agnes deals with him. Dude, she saw how Jack Treacher was in the tenement building next week. <laughs> No, I mean, we, we saw how poorly Jack Tritcher uh, was for them uh, during the luncheon, so they aren't about to switch uh, anytime soon, so I think he'll be safe with his job. He'll just get, you know, a slap on the on the wrist, but I think Bannister made out like a bandit this week. And also, can we mention, he was he's not very discreet about crossing the street here. He no. literally leaves their house and then just walks half a block and then just takes a left and just crosses the street. He looks both ways to see if anyone's spying on him. <laughs> Dude, like, you, you know how you approach this? This is what I do when I'm, like, too early to a show or something like that in the city. I just go there and I just walk around the block. <laughs> and then, the you know, yeah. Exactly. No one knows where I'm coming from or anything. He would have bumped uh, into, what's, their, what's his name? Watson. Uh, Oscar. <laughs> With his, his old do and everything. Um, well, who's number one, Dave? I got Marianne at number one. I think this is a really good week for really? Marianne. What did she do? So we see that she she does the whole stuff with she's still in good standings with the board of Red okay. Cross. Good thing. She's I don't like that she is crossing all these lines socially, but McAllister's mm-hmm. like, look, I'm gonna help you out with with breaks, and she's like, okay, yeah. cool, I'm gonna make that happen. Good news for her. Mm-hmm. And then in this moment where Agnes is potentially going to make a total fool of herself uninvited and shows up in this house marion basically says oh it was just a misunderstanding and totally by herself saves on agnes from total social embarrassment in that moment it's it's a very subtly not it's not subtle but i think considering yeah no i mean it's subtle enough for me to miss it and and her not land on my rankings at all dang but uh and she learns a lesson about race (laughs) <laughs> and hailing taxis and stuff yeah uh well number one i got miss armstrong because i assume that she sent that letter but also wow, her big delivering one. big assumption hey we don't know 
but the Oscar news, I think it really d- goes a long way to towards you know s- securing her spot with, with uh, Agnes, in which she feels at least that she needs to. Mm-hmm. So and, and it's just her making a move that I didn't expect her to make, you know, uh, of importance. Like I didn't expect her to kind of rock the boat as much as she did. So yeah, that's a bold, a bold Armstrong. choice. No Bertha she, she, at all. No, why? What did Bertha really do this episode? She, she had a lunch. She, she 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 con- I guess she continues. Did to she climb. really? She got shouted out by her husband, and he keeps putting her in her place. And he may be ruined soon, so I don't think so. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps this week on the Kill Age. <laughs> Lucky number seven next week. Yeah. So three, three more. Yeah, because I think there's only nine episodes booked for the season. I mean, HBO's been doing that with was it Righteous Gemstones only had nine episodes, so they're on an odd pattern there. Yeah, that is. I I don't get it. Why? But yeah, whatever. Maybe maybe. Yeah, I mean, Julian with- can only write so much, man. What 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 can we ask of him really? Yeah, because I'm on IMDb and it says episodes 18, so that's accounting for both seasons. Yeah, and no Christmas specials. So, Julian's got to be thrilled. Maybe it was a thing where uh, Broadway uh, reopened and the actors were like, "We got to get back to work, Julian." And he was like, "Okay, fine. Go go back to your shows. <laughs> I'll be here when the Broadway shuts down again." Right? Yeah. <laughs> Indefin- <laughs> indubitably, that will happen. <laughs> it will definitely happen. So. Yeah, that is this week. And Dave, have you been watching anything else, man? Uh, a couple movies, but I, I fi- this week was the end of Righteous Gemstones, which both of us watched. Yeah. Uh, fantastic ending, I thought. Yeah, no, the season was great. And then I, I finished uh, Peacemaker fun. last night, and I, I really liked the ending of that show. It was not without its flaws, but it was uh, considering how many TV shows we get for the the. Those listening that are not superhero people, we have like twenty five meta, tongue in cheek superhero mm. shows for grown ups, and I'm a little sick of them. But because of John Cena, I had to watch Peacemaker, and right because we're wrestling fans. I think yeah. it, it, it's good. It's clever, and the story is good. Yeah, I've been you, catching Corey? up on that show too, and I, I I like it more than I thought I would. Uh, yeah, you kind you start looking past the terrible jokes. I, I don't actually. I think they're, they're some of them are pretty clever. I, I think the the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about the Suicide Squad movie that came out this past summer is everything felt like nudge nudge. We're being edgy, whereas this one has time to breathe a little mm-hmm. bit, so it doesn't feel like it's in your face. So I don't know, it, it goes down a little bit easier. But yes, same same to you. It's like it's not perfect, but it's enjoyable. But uh, otherwise, Euphoria wrapped up on on Sunday night. You hear that HBO? So, I, I watch Euphoria. So we're talking Righteous Gemstones, Peacemaker. Gilded Age, Euphoria. I think <laughs> hire us. Yeah. Uh, great, great finale. There was people online complaining that was messy, and like the show is nothing but messy. <laughs> so I don't know what they're expecting. The the show just looked great, great visually, has great performances. It is what it is. It's it's a it's a fun, messy, wild time. So I was all in, enjoyed it. All right, maybe I'll catch up on yeah. the first two before three. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know, Dave. I don't know if it's your kind of your kind of content. All my coworkers are watching it, so even just FOMO might have to just to yeah. dip my toe in the water, see what it's about. I mean, there's some really awesome moments in the show, so I mean, you wouldn't be wasting your time. It's not high on my list, but maybe at some point. <laughs> okay, you got to get through uh, Jack Reacher on on Amazon, right? I think it's, is it just Reacher, right? Oh, it's just Reacher, I think. Yeah, <laughs> they heard about Jack Reacher on Gilded Age, so they just couldn't they couldn't do it. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's too much confusion in the world there. Uh, 
Anyways, though, this is a long episode for us. Uh, longer than you the, know where to find us. Longer than uh, the actual episode of the show. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. But you know where to find us. You can email us at lordsgrantham at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a Patreon. Don't forget that. If yep. you want some bonus content, we Get should have one coming bonus to you episodes. soon. We're a little late this month, February, or rather last month, February is the shortest month of the year. At this point. We're not always late. I think yeah. like two or three times a year we're late, but we we come okay. out with the episodes when we come out with the episodes. Bonus sure. episodes incoming. Yep. And otherwise, we will catch you next time on the pod. Yeah, next week. 